What is going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. And on today's episode, we're very excited to bring you Austin P. head coach Matt Figger. Uh, today, we talk about his uh, big time one two punch coming back next season. Uh, we talk about uh, his, his, his growth uh, through the JUCO ranks coming in and then uh, his tutelage under Frank Martin. Um, we talk about uh, his friends in the business, so much more. Very great conversation, very open, very candid, uh, and very helpful uh, to any uh, coaches out there in the profession or even just, just Austin P fans. Uh, great stuff from Matt. Um, before we get into it, ask the normal, would you please go ahead and subscribe to the channel, give us a five-star rating, and then leave in the comments below what you enjoyed about uh, this conversation, what you enjoyed about the episode. Uh, that would be great. That would be very helpful. Uh, but without further ado, here is Austin P head coach Matt Figger on the Absolute Basketball Podcast with Jamie Shaw. Thank you guys very much. What's going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. I am joined today by Austin P. head coach, Matt Figger. Matt, how's it going? Jamie, everything's great here in Clarksville, Tennessee, man. How are you doing? Man, I, I'm doing okay. I'm just trying to figure this quarantine thing out and uh, glad we just ended school yesterday so I don't have to do this virtual teaching thing anymore, which <laughs> made me feel like a <laughs> baby go crazy. <laughs> it made you have to work. Oh my gosh, man. It's amazing how much stuff my, my daughter's eight years old and I'm sitting here going through like, I have to like study the night before so I can teach her the next day. <laughs> I, I gave up my son's nine and I gave up. Um, we, we waved the white flag uh, early with that. Uh, he's smarter than everybody in the room. So I, we, we had to give that up early. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, so I, I guess first things first, uh, you're from Jenkins, Kentucky, which is a town of less than 2000. Where did your love for basketball and your passion for coaching come from? Well, it, it started with, uh, you know, everybody grows up in Kentucky, a big blue fan. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I wanted to be Kyle Macy when I was a kid. And I, and funny thing is, is that, uh, you know, I became friends with Kyle mm -hmm. and we actually, we've actually joked about it. You know, you know, everybody wore number four, everybody pushed their socks down. This is probably uh, way too uh, long ago for a lot of people who, who may be watching this, but um, you know, my passion came from, uh, from from the coaches, mm -hmm. you know, I, I always was uh, enamored with uh, actually more more football than it was was basketball. I was more enamored with with Bear Bryant and, and Vince Lombardi and Tom Landry and Chuck Knoll. You know, just just how they were. There was something about drawing the plays up that they did and and all the things that they did that was fascinating to me. And mm -hmm. um, you know, one of my biggest influences in my life was. Um, my social studies teacher um, from sixth grade until high school, he taught social studies. His name was Charles Dixon, and um, he was actually a track coach. And, um, you know, our, 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 our sports teams in that small town, if you, if you grow up in a town that size, you literally play everything. Yeah. And our sports teams weren't very good except for one thing, and that was the track team. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and accountability and, and love and things that he gave each student. To me, he, he touched more people um, than any other person I've ever met in my life. And so through him, it's really got me inspired to, to be able to, to coach. And, 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 and as a coach, you're really more of a teacher. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to teach young men things in their lives, how to grow. And, and then listen, um, uh, growing up in, in, in Eastern Kentucky in, back in the, in the uh, when I grew up, there was only two things to do. 
you know, you either, you either left or you worked in a coal mine. So, um, I, I chose to, I chose to leave and actually, um, Mr. Dixon was the one who gave me my first coaching job. Uh, when I was in college, I was kind of just stumbling around and, and, uh, he calls me out of the blue one day and he says, look, um, I need you to coach a baseball team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said, well, I, I, that's great. Uh, I'm only 19 years old. He said, I don't care. I need you to coach this, this summer league baseball team. So that was my first taste of coaching. And, and, uh, from there, um, it just grew from there. Uh, yeah. you know, I could go on and on and on about, the, about the story, but, um, Pat Smith, another guy from Kentucky from mm-hmm. Somerset, who was, um, coaching at Wabash Valley Community College gave me my first shot and, um, and it just took off from there. And, and 28 years later, I'm, I'm here at Austin P. I want to talk about the, your trek through the JUCO ranks and all that kind of stuff. But before we get into that, Kentucky basketball kind of have its life of its own, you know, especially with the way they, they do the state tournament and stuff, the Sweet 16 and all that, kind of nothing else like that in the country. What is, what is Kentucky basketball like? Like being inside of it as you were, what is Kentucky basketball like? It, it's, um, you know, it, this was another reason I got into coaching because um, – it, it, it's such a passion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's the, it's the, it's the big thing on a Friday or Saturday night. Um, you know, the state tournament, there's only, they only have one champion. It's not a four, a champion, a three, a champion, two, one, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just one champion. And so everybody's playing for, uh, has a chance from the districts to regional state, whatever. Um, and it's just, and it's just a, it's like, it's like a religion. It's, it's hard to explain. I mean, um, everybody in that state knows how to shoot a basketball. It's, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's an art and, and it's something, it's, it's like a secondary skill that, that you were born with growing up in that state. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to describe because, uh, as you know, you follow uh, in the SEC, mm-hmm. uh, you know, South Carolina, how everywhere you turn, there's Kentucky fans. Yeah. And, and, and it's just because and – and I can kind of sum it up a little bit more. We only had three TV channels. Um, the only college basketball team that was on television on a regular basis was the University of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So the SEC game of the week or whatever you grew up, that's what you've seen. And so I think that's where the passion and everything, because you, wherever you go in, 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 you know, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, on and on in the Carolinas, you've got a lot of Kentucky fans around there. Oh, yeah. And um, it's just, it's just like a second religion. And here's the one thing that I, I took from it. It's the one element where money doesn't mean anything. You can be rich, you can be poor. Uh, race doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, black, white, whatever. It it's the only place that I've seen people from so many different backgrounds come together to cheer for one common denominator, and that's what that's what made me passionate passionate about what I do. That makes sense. Um, so you cut your teeth in JUCO ball, as you had said, uh, spending eight or nine years between Wabash Valley, Vincennes, and Odessa. How important was that to you? Your growth as a coach, spending your time early time in that. I, this is the one thing I tell all young, young coaches. Um, because, again, coaching is teaching. Mm-hmm. And going to junior college 
will help you grow more as that teacher than any other, whether you be a graduate assistant or some type of crazy made up name at these division one jobs give you in junior college, you do it all. You're the academic advisor. You run study hall, you wash clothes, you drive the bus, uh, you coach on the floor, you do individuals, you recruit, uh, you know, you may work into in a fitness center. There's just so many things that you get your hands on that it, it makes you well equipped to handle this job as a division one coach. And if you look right now, Jamie, and I can go through the list uh, of, of your more successful head division one coaches this day and age, there's a lot of them that's got junior college backgrounds, Chris Beard, Steve Forbes, Kermit Davis, Brad Underwood. I mean, I can keep going on in the list, but you could put a convention, John Beeline, when John Beeline was a JUCO head coach. I mean, you can go through, uh, we could have our own convention of, of, of guys who have had an opportunity to be division one head coaches because they learned how to work. And I think that's the big thing that junior college teaches these young guys. Everybody thinks that the path to success is, is to be attached to a player. Yeah. That works sometimes, but learning how to work. And that's, that's the one thing I think junior college done for me. And I think if you ask all those guys I mentioned, and there's far more than that, how did you learn how to work? And they will sell you coaching junior college basketball mm -hmm. taught me how to work. And during your time at uh, Vincennes, you coached a young man by the name of Sean Marion, uh, such a unique player and all that kind of stuff. Talk a little bit about him, what he came in as and his growth uh, during his tenure there. Well, um, Sean was actually the second NBA player I coached from Vincennes. Uh, mm -hmm. Tyrone Nesby was the first and, and, and Tyrone Nesby, um, today, if he, if he, if he played basketball in the media, social media world, he, he was a human highlight film. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Dominique Wilkins, that Tyrone, but, but Sean, um, I, I think I watched Sean play his senior year 30 times, you know, you, you can get out of work now. Oh yeah. So, um, every Tuesday and Saturday, I was in Clarksville, Tennessee which actually where I am today, mm -hmm. Sean Marion played basketball at Clarksville High School in Tennessee. And um, his athletic ability, uh, and he was only probably about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, when we signed it. Yeah. When he came to Vincennes, he grew about another two or three inches. So uh, his, his, uh, he went from 6'4", six, 6'5", six, to about 6'7". And the thing about Sean was that his second jump is the best I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, his work ethic was tremendous that kid was in the gym we were we get in the gym every morning i mean seven o'clock in the morning he was ready to go um and the one thing that stands out about him is that he's he was also a great human being mm -hmm. like he could he could hang out with anybody and um i think that's what made him successful is that he not only was he a, a really good talent but he's a really good person and he was able to carry that on for about a 15, 16 year career in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Sean's one of the, one of the good guys and, and, um, very underrated player in the NBA as far as the things he did. Um, but just, he was a better person than he was a player. At 03, you made the move from Juco to division one, South Alabama. What was that transition like going from the Juco to actually mid-major division one? Well, my first year or two, uh, one of the other assistants on our staff was a guy named Isaac Brown who's at Wichita State. 
we used to, because Isaac came from Okaloosa Walton, which is now Northwest Florida, and we used to joke when we uh, first started coaching at South Alabama that we had better players, <laughs> that we coached better players at, at Odessa and, and, and uh, Okaloosa Walton than we did at uh, South Alabama at the time. Um, but the junior college experience prepared me to how to work. Um, actually coaching uh, and recruiting in Division One, I, I had to cut back on the amount of things that I did because you've got certain number of people you can see and, and all that stuff. Um, but we were able to build a program at South Alabama um, that by year four, um, we had won the conference, uh, lost to Florida in, in, in 06, who was eventual national champion. And then that the, the, the next four years of South Alabama has been the four, best four years in the history of the school. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to help be a part of that um, with, with John Pelfrey as the head coach. And John went on to Arkansas after that. Um, but we, 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 the Sun Belt was really, really good back in the 2000s. Western Kentucky was really good. Um, Louisiana Lafayette was really, really good. Um, each team had pros on their team, and, and, and the brand of basketball was really good. And um, we, our last two years, Darren Horn actually uh, was at Western Kentucky um, my last two years, um, who went on from there to South Carolina. But um, it, it, I, I got to learn. I, I got to learn that how to make that transition. And um, probably it, I'm way better than I was, you know, 16, 17 years ago from that. But it gave me an opportunity because it was a small school as well and you had to do everything, study tables and all that. And, um, uh, I, I love the city of Mobile and, and, and uh, we had some good times there. And then after that, you, you all got the job at Arkansas. You had the very brief stint as a dobo at Arkansas. And then you jump on to Kansas State with Frank Martin um, after a couple of months. Obviously, power five on the road on the court to, uh, you know, dobo is a, a no-brainer. But what was it about Frank that drew you to him to go work for him? Well, um, Frank and I became friends uh, in the early, mid-early 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, we both worked Florida uh, individual camp together. Billy Donovan, was the, got, got, when he got the head coaching job at Florida, um, one of Frank's best friends was Anthony Grant. Mm -hmm. And one of my better friends was Donnie Jones, who's now the head coach of Stetson. They were on the staff in Florida. So they both had us working their, their summer camps. Well, Frank and I just hung out and our, our, our personalities were very similar. And, and uh, you know, we were both young coaches at the time. And, and um, Frank was coaching a, a powerhouse high school team at uh, uh, Miami Senior, and I was at Vincennes. And so our friendship built just over that. And I ended up coaching five of his kids uh, from Miami High. Uh -huh. And uh, when he got the job at Northeastern uh, in early, I think, 2001 or something like that, um, we had three – I was at Odessa later, and we had three kids from Odessa go play at Northeastern uh, while Frank was an assistant at Northeastern. And so our friendship just bonded from, like, 1994 um, to when he got the job um, at K-State. And I can remember it was the, it was the, it was the best move um, that I made. And what people don't realize is that um, when Frank got the job, it, it was more of a, they thought it was more of a, and he'll tell you this, more of a publicity stunt just to keep, they had the number one recruiting class coming in. 
and they just wanted to keep Michael Beasley and Bill Walker and all those guys together. Well, they gave Frank a chance, and he never let go of the chance. And when, when people told me when I was taking the job, you know, hey, he's only going to be there until this – I didn't care. I, I believed in Frank. Mm-hmm. And, and to this day, I was just on the phone with him 15, 20 minutes ago. Um, I still believe in Frank Martin and, and, and his friendship and his passion and everything. And um, I, I spent 10, 10 great years with him. About to say anybody who's in a room alone with Frank Martin and doesn't come away believing in Frank Martin is, is crazy. He's he's one of the most genuine, pure human beings alive. Um, so from 07 to 17, Kansas State, and then at South Carolina, uh, you proceed to make six NCAA tournaments, two Elite Eights, a Final Four. You coach six players who make it to the NBA. During that time frame, what did you learn most about your voice as a head, as a as a coach? What. Well, the, the, the best thing was, uh, and, I, and I give Frank credit, um, is that the responsibility that he gave me as a coach was, was limitless. He let me do as much as I, I wanted to do. And so um, every time there, there's a drill or, or whatever, uh, I was the head coach of that drill. So, you know, we do two-on-two defensive wide, you know, some of the terminology, three-on-three, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank just let you do, let you be you. And he, and he wanted you to coach and he wanted you to teach. And, uh, that's the one thing that I have to give Frank a, a, all the credit in the world to. He allowed me to be who I wanted to be. And that was to be a, a, a coach. Mm-hmm. And through, through the 10 year process, I grew into be, becoming a head coach. And we had an unbelievable staff at Kansas state, um, uh, and and we just everybody just knew the role, and and we could cover each other's weaknesses mm-hmm. with our strengths, and that's why uh, our five years at Kansas State we had a lot of success. Um, you know, an Elite Eight appearance. Um, you know, we were we were constantly. I think we had the second most amount of wins in that five year span at K State behind one team, and that was Kansas, mm-hmm. uh, who played in two national championships. Uh, during that span uh, in 07 and in 12. Um, but uh, just just being with Frank in those two spots. And then, you know, we, we go to South Carolina. Um, um, Brad gets the Stephen F. Austin job, so we lost Brad. And um, Perry Clark came in and took Brad's spot. And, and, uh, and, and so we, we – it was a slow build. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to do it the right way was a slow build. And, uh, you know, uh, by year four, again, most wins in school history. Um, we got snubbed. I, I, I truly think we got snubbed that year mm-hmm. uh, for the NCAA tournament. But, but those kids made up for it in, in 17. Because um, when we got our chance, um, you know, guys like Sandera Stornwell, P.J. Dozier, Chris Silva, Dwayne Notice, Justin Mackey, um, all those kids that were part of that team, um, they, 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 they just grabbed a hold of the moment, man, and took us all on a ride of a lifetime. And we got to the final four and, um, what a great memory. And, you know, I felt like when we got the lead against Gonzaga, because we had trailed in every game mm-hmm. and we took the lead against Gonzaga. I, I, I felt like we were going to play for a national championship. And, and I'll still say this to this day. I know people can talk about excuses, but what people don't realize 
is Sundarius Thornwell has strep throat going into that national uh, national semifinal game, mm-hmm. and uh, didn't practice um, any of the, any of that part of the latter part of the week. And so the first time he stepped on the court in the final four, he had not touched a basketball or anything. And uh, it took him a half to get himself going in that game. I remember he came out of timeout and he said, I can't feel my legs. And uh, he was just off in the first half. But if I, I, I you know, it, it didn't happen. But I would say if there was a, a healthy Cinderella Stormwell, I, who knows what would happen. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. That was, a, that was an exciting game for sure. Um, so when you had the likes of Frank Martin, Brad Underwood, Chris Beard, uh, talking about you, they use words like winner. They use relentless. They use great basketball minds. What does it mean to you to have your colleagues and your peers talk about you in this manner? I'm glad they they they, they like to tell fibs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I it's it's uh, um, I'm very humble and appreciative of, of, of those words. You know, um, Chris and I uh, we've been great friends uh, uh, for a long time, almost 20 years as well. And, uh, you know, Brad and I would, um, we talk ball all the time, you know, uh, we still do Brad and I and Frank, we, uh, we all talk basketball all the time. Um, you know, I, I, it, it, for them to value my opinion, it means a lot to me. And, um, you know, there'd be times that we weren't, we, we all wouldn't agree on things. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Brad and Frank and I, and, and, and then when Brad moved on and did had his success, because Brad had a lot of success where he's been now at Stephen F. Austin and Oklahoma State and Illinois. Um, but uh, there was a lot of battles. Um, and, and, and some people think that's arguing or that I, that's growth. You know, when you can, you know, be opinionated of what you think. And if you have strong things about it, I, I feel like you, you grow and you trust one another. Uh, but to have those guys say that, man, that's a – because those are three by far more successful coaches than I am. So um, it's it's a blessing. 2017, Austin P came calling. What was it about this opportunity that, that, that drew you in? A um, couple things. Um, you know, I got, to, I got to learn Clarksville when I recruited Sean Marion back in 96. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously – um, Austin P is is a is a um, on the Kentucky Tennessee state line. Yeah. So growing up as a Kentucky fan, you learned a lot about Austin P because they played a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Lake Kelly was was a one time uh, University of Kentucky assistant uh, was the head coach at, at Austin P at the time. Uh, I got to know Coach Kelly uh, when I got into college. Uh, he was a high school coach in Kentucky. Um, but, but Dave Luce, uh, was here for 27 years. And so, um, coach Luce did an unbelievable job of winning this coach in, in Ohio Valley conference history. And so, um, I said, man, you know, it's close to Nashville. I love Nashville. Um, coach Luce was there unheard of 27 years. So it, there's a lot that he liked about the university and there's a lot that people liked about him. And uh, I just felt like it was an opportunity because um, coach had been dealing with some health issues and everything. And the program had kind of slipped. Um, and I felt like it was the right time and opportunity to try to get this program going to back to where it was uh, when people talked about fly Williams and, 
you know, 87 when they beat Illinois in the NCAA tournament and, you know, constantly competing uh, against Murray State for OVC titles. So it has a, it has a great reputation. And, and you returned the OVC Player of the Year, Terry Taylor, 21 points or tw- uh, 21.8 points, 11 rebounds. What do you expect from him coming into next season? Well, it's hard uh, to get any more things out of him statistically. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie, think about this. Uh, uh, I've coached him now for three years. Um, he was freshman of the year in the league in 17, 17, 18. Uh, he's been three-time first-team All-League. He's player of the year this year. Um, he's the first guy since Blake Griffin to lead his league in, in scoring and rebounding. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is a he's a he's a problem uh, on the offensive end. He's 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 probably the leading offensive rebounder in the country coming back. He averages over four offensive rebounds a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I I I think for him uh, that he continues to needs to improve on is you know obviously um, he's caught in that in between size yeah. you know. Uh, he's 6'5", he's 235 pounds, left-handed. Um, you know, I expect I expect so much out of him and I need so much from him, probably too much. Mm-hmm. I've got to lighten his load a little bit. Um, but he needs to just get better, probably better, you know, uh, defensively a little bit, um, guarding the perimeter. NBA guys want to see if he can guard the perimeter a little better. Um, you know, uh, he needs to get to the free throw line more. Uh, a guy who averages that many points, you think would get eight, nine free throws a game. Well, he doesn't shoot a lot of free throws. So that those are some of the things he's got to get better at, uh, driving the ball, showing those things. And he can do it, um, but he just scores so many baskets off of the offensive rebound and off post-ups and things that when the, the space gets closer towards the rim, you know, fewer fouls are called. Mm-hmm. And that's my big complaint with officials is that, you know, a kid can be 20 feet from the basket and snap his head back like that, and they'll call a foul. But a kid catches it two feet from the basket and gets annihilated, yeah. and there's no call. So those, you know, I got to get him a little more away from the basket so he can get more fouls called for him. <laughs> uh, and then also, too, you recently had Jordan Adams, the reigning OVC freshman of the year, uh, pull his name from the draft, decide to come back next year as well. What does that mean for the program? Um. Well, we're returning, um, you know, uh, a duo of players that um, was one of the top two or three scoring duos in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing is I got to lighten or load a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie, the I, I, crazy thing is there were two games this year that those two young men both scored 37 in the game. Wow. And there was another game that they both scored 30. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if, you know, I, I, I've done it, been doing this for 28 years. Yeah. Uh, outside the NBA, I don't know of any, any college game where two individuals score over 30 points in two different ball games. Uh, I got to lighten their load a little bit. I've got to get more contribution from other guys on the team. And, and, and Jamie, here's the one thing, the reason they had to score so much, um, our team was, was either the second youngest team in the country and the fourth most inexperienced team or something like they, they, Somebody was giving me one of those statistics for a game. Um, but Jordan Adams is a phenomenal player. Um, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of the John Morant questions asked to me about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, because, 
you know, he's from the Ohio Valley Conference. He was he was first team All American that Kyle Macy Award for a freshman All American. Um, he gets to the basket, you know, he, he's 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 got high major skills. You know, he is a high major player. I, I don't I don't care about those that level stuff, but mm-hmm. um, he's a, he's a good basketball player, and um, you know, he's got to get his uh, probably his turnover to assist ratio going the other way. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing, and he's he's really an elite defender as well. Speaking of jaw, this kind of jogged my memory real quick. When people say that he didn't have any like high major offers and all that kind of stuff coming out, you were you were the only high major offer. Yeah, that's untrue. That, 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 that saw it and offered him. No, I, I loved him. I yeah. loved him. I would tell. I I I would tell. Uh, I'd say this to to the day I die. If jaw would have not played um, in Sumter, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had played in Indianapolis or Washington, D.C., he would have had his choice of schools. You know, yeah. and it, here's where the valuation part where, guys, it's different. I mean, just because – and, and I, I, your tournament that you guys have in the summertime, mm-hmm. um, you know, he played in all those. Yeah. And I was at all those. I mean, you and I were there at the end of the summer. Yeah, I mean the guy had forty-seven in the last game that we watched. He made like nine threes, and yeah. I mean I'm like, if, if he's not an elite level player, I don't know what is. And 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 just because none of the so-called um, national scouts that that, that have had because he didn't play on the EYBL or the Under Armour or whatever, he he went he he flew on the radar. But my gosh, was he a good player? And oh, and, and and I always hear that. Um. Murray was his only – no, that's not true. I mean, I, I hate to I hate to break the burst of bubble. I, 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 like you said, I, you were personally sitting there at like at least more than half his games between his – I, 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 I don't know how many games I missed that summer. Yeah, it wasn't many. <laughs> I mean, it, it, no, because they played a lot of your tournaments. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't know how many I missed, but, um, you know, I, I, I joke with his dad, T, you know, all the time. And, and uh, I, I, I up until last year – I, I still talk with his dad. His dad's an unbelievable dude. Oh, yeah. uh, and, uh, um, you know, I, I think for for his family and the decision he made to go to Murray State was the best one he could possibly make because it allowed him to grow faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to start putting some plugs in for our, our level and our league and everything. Yeah. Um, there's I, I – Jordan Adams, same thing. Jordan mm-hmm. Adams was committed to Baylor as a sophomore. Well, Jordan Adams stopped playing on the EYBL circuits and everything. He decommitted from Baylor, um, played for his local AAU stuff, didn't get the recruitment. Mm-hmm. And now he's with me, and and everybody are, is now looking at him as a future possible first-round draft pick. Um, and so those those kids are, are, are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember your tournament. Um, because Murray State got another kid out of there, a kid named Tevin Brown, Brown yeah. who was a first-team all-league guy in our league this year. Uh, you talk about hitting home runs. They've hit some home runs in, in your tournaments, man. Uh, yeah. So uh, everybody who's out there, you put on those tournaments, somebody needs to go to them. <laughs> no doubt. Pros. Um, back, to, back to what you got going at Austin P. You're bringing in three JUCOs this year and two high school kids in this class. What was your objective that you were trying to accomplish heading into and, and signing this class? I'm trying to figure out who always signed. Um, um, 
we took two JUCO kids. Um, I, 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 we, we took a high motor kid named Elton Walker mm-hmm. um, from Miami Dade. We took uh, one of the leading shot blockers, a uh, kid from uh, down in South Georgia Tech, 6'11 kid. Um, and then we got a, we got a, 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 we took a transfer kid from Oklahoma, uh, a 6'10 kid that mm-hmm. was, was a JUCO kid. He played in junior college before. So that's probably the three you're talking okay. about. Um, and then we signed a, a prep school kid um, from core four, six, eight kid, uh, real athletic, strong player. Uh, and then we got, we got a kid from uh, Baton Rouge, from, uh, Scotlandville high school um, that had won four state championships. So we wanted to keep, continue to add experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like, the reason we didn't win the league this past year was that um, we had to get stronger in the front court. Um, I think we addressed that need by signing three front court kids uh, mm-hmm. to go along with, with, with Terry and, and, and Cita Conte and, and, and Mateo Silveira, who we've got coming back. Um, and then adding more athleticism in the backcourt. That those were, you know, my whole thing is, um, last year, Murray State had the best front court. Uh, they were really good up front. And Belmont had the best back court. Mm-hmm. So um, my feel was, can our back court match Belmont? And can our front court match Murray? That's yet to be determined. But that was the idea of, of the recruiting was that, you know, we had to physically line up. Because Murray's got big bodies. Mm-hmm. Murray State's got big old – and they got – Darnell Cohort sitting out, who was who was one of their better players two years ago, and then um, Belmont's got the best backcourt uh, with uh, um, the two kids they got. Um, heck, I'm it's been so long since we played them. Um, the point guard's terrific, mm-hmm. and their two guard Conkle's really good. So um, we, in, with the mindset recruiting, that's what we were trying to attack. Can our front court match Murray? And can our backcourt match Belmont? So coming from a power five, two power five schools, Kansas State, South Carolina, to the OVC, moving over a chair to becoming the head coach, what would you say the biggest adjustments that you made in that process were? Well, I'd say the biggest adjustments is all the off-the-court stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as a head coach, you got to deal with everything. You're dealing with personalities, 13 personalities, assistant coaches, administrators, boosters, um, and every decision you make is final. Mm-hmm. So um, that's probably the biggest adjustment. You know, trying to stay within a budget, um, you know, deciding who's the right fit and who's not the right fit. You know, a lot of times as an assistant coach, uh, you're always a suggestion Mm-hmm. But as the head coach, you're the decision maker. And so that's probably the biggest adjustment. Uh, so you're 62 and 38 at Austin P with a 72% in conference win percentage. Uh, how would you grade your first three years on the job? Um, I, that's a tough question. I, 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 you know, we've had some success. Um, uh, scheduling, I've done a terrible job in scheduling. Uh, our scheduling has been out of conference, it's been way too hard. Um, but that's helped us. Um, our records out of conference have not been as good as I'd like them to be. Um, our recruiting probably needs to be better. Um, you know, but uh, I would think, 
you know, there's some games I'd like to have back and everything. You always think about the stuff you do wrong. You don't ever think about all the stuff you do. But I, but I think we're in a, we're in a place that we're being consistent with Belmont and Murray State because mm-hmm. they're the gold standard. Um, when I got into the SEC, Florida and Kentucky was the standard. We're, we're, we try to push the needle for South Carolina to move to that standard. At Austin P, we're trying to push the needle to move to Murray State and Belmont. That's the that's the that's the level, and, and uh, I think we're you know we're we're getting there, um, and it's just take more consistency. So that would be my grade. I, we're we're not there yet. We 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 finished um, third or whatever uh, this past year. We we were right there last week in first place. Um, now we've got to go in and and try to take the next step, and that's that's easier said. Well, and kind of taking that question a step further, or what you're saying a step further. How do you feel that this program is positioned current day for success moving forward? I, I think we're in a good place. Um, you know, we've got the two kids I mentioned that you've mentioned coming back. Um, we've got a lot of guys that got a lot of experience from playing um, that, that were major contributors to our program. Um, we redshirted two kids. Um, we redshirted a kid named Reginald G who um, – Played six games towards ACL, averaged about ten points a game for us. Was a grad transfer from um, from Alabama State, and so I've got him back for another year. Uh, hopefully, he'll be healthy. Um, and we registered a kid named Devin McCain, who was uh, was a four A Mr. Basketball in the state of Texas, uh, who is a pit bull. Um, so you add that into the mix with the kids we signed. We hope. You know, depth-wise, we're in a place. Because my, my first three years, we've, been, we've fallen short someplace to win it, whether it be front court depth this, this past year or my first two years, back court depth. Hopefully, we've, we've addressed that issue. But our league, uh, Jamie, I don't know if you ever watch it or, or pay any attention to it. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a really good – it was really young. Every, all the first-team all-league kids were sophomores. Mm-hmm. So this league is going to be really competitive, not only from the, the standards of Murray State and Belmont, but I think we're in the mix. Um, uh, Eastern Kentucky, A.W. Hamilton, who is assistant NC State, is doing a phenomenal job there. Uh, Tennessee State, Penny Collins um, is doing a great job there. Uh, Eastern Illinois has got um, every kid back. Uh, Jacksonville State has, has got a really good team. Uh, John Pelfrey's now at Tennessee Tech. I mean, the, the, the league is is um, very aggressive. And, and, and I tell you what, um, Moorhead State, they, they've got a couple of Carolina kids from both North and South Carolina that are young that had a lot of success in our league. So I, I could keep rattling. This league um, from top to bottom is going to be really exciting to watch this year. So we've been in quarantine for the last six to eight weeks or whatnot. You haven't been able to have your hands on the players and all that type of stuff. NCAA passed that they're going to allow intermittently coming back in June 1. Um, what's Austin P's plan of attack heading into that and, and moving moving um, away from that? You know, I think um, we've got – we're, we're still, everybody's still in the evaluation process. You know, I think uh, the NCAA kind of just – you know, I, I won't say threw their hands up, mm-hmm. but, but they, they can't regulate state to the state. They have no, they have no chance of doing it. Um, you know, we do not have in our county, Montgomery County, we do not have a high number of, of 
COVID-19 cases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, I think, I think there's a game plan being put in place. And I think that there will be an attack to get our kids back on campus safely and as soon as possible. Sure. And lastly here, every coach wants their program or team to have an identity. What are the pillars? What are, what are you instilling within the Austin P men's basketball program? I think just um, our kids play really hard. Um, you know, that's, that's our mantra. We want to play hard. That, you know, night in and night out, we want to play hard. But, but we're also, um, we want to be a, a well-rounded team. Jamie, our, our past semester, we had a 3.544 GPA. As a oh, wow. team GPA. Not in team. Um, we, we've had four of the past six semesters of 3.0 GPAs. Um, we do over 200 hours a year in community service. Um, I want our guys to learn how to become men um, and go out and be able to earn a living in, in society. That's, that's the biggest thing that, that um, uh, I want our program to stand for. And, and I think everything goes hand in hand. So that's, to me, that's the biggest thing is just learning how to be a man. Yeah, good deal. Well, wrapping things up here, finalizing it all, is there anything that you want to leave Austin P fans, Matt Figger fans, anybody out here listening, anything you want to leave them with? I don't know if I got any fans, but, um, you know, I, I just the, – the future is, is, is going to be exciting. Um, you know, when we get back to things being normal, whatever walk of life, I think, I think we've learned how to care for one another a little bit better and care about your family and spend more time with your family. Um, that's one of the big messages I want to leave people is that uh, I, think, I think we are learning how to become um, better humans. Mm-hmm. Um, more caring, but but I I, I if for, from a basketball standpoint, uh, we're really excited about the future here at Austin P. Uh, I'm excited about the future of the Ohio Valley Conference. Uh, I know if I know everybody gets that ESPN uh, Plus package, you will watch some exciting basketball on a Thursday Saturday night. Um, you know, not that old boring walk it up the floor. Right. Everybody in our league averages between 75 and 85 points a game now. Yeah. Uh, it's an exciting league and a um, lot, lot of good players in the league. And um, it'll be another fun year from top to bottom. So if you get a chance, everybody in the Carolinas, uh, tune in and watch uh, some Ohio Valley Conference action. I hear that. No, I, I'll, uh, I, I personally, I know I tuned into a lot of games, a lot of your games actually last year. So uh, How many times yes. did I screw up? None. None in my eyes. <laughs> um, but no, it's um, no, it, it's a lot of fun. Like you said, it's a great league. I think it's very underrated. Like you said, I mean, pros come out of that league. So, you know, no, it, it, it's good. It's a good league. I mean, just two years ago, we had two teams in the NCAA tournament that won games. Um, and I think you'll see that again um, next year. I think I think, I think uh, there's going to be enough teams. I think there's teams that can compete for a multi-bid league next year. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Well, Matt, I appreciate you joining. I appreciate you taking some time here to join us on the podcast. It's awesome to always catch up and talk with you and everything and wish you nothing but continued success in the future. Jamie, stay safe, stay healthy. Take care of your family. You do the same. You do the same. Guys, thank you all very much for tuning in on the Absolute Basketball Podcast with Jamie Shaw for Matt Figger. We'll see you next time.